welcome to the CPHI podcast where we bring into sharp focus the current issues affecting the global pharmaceutical supply chain. I'm Gareth Carpenter, Pharma Editor at Informa Markets and today we're going to take a look at how procurement, marketing and trading units in the market for active pharmaceutical ingredients are adapting and responding to the very transformative effects of the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. The global market for APIs continues to grow and the latest projections indicate that it will increase in value from around 180 billion US dollars last year to somewhere around 250 billion dollars by 2024. Up until now, the lion's share of API procurement has been conducted by negotiations between suppliers and buyers through traditional channels such as trade shows, face-to-face meetings, telephone calls and emails. However, with the current coronavirus pandemic continuing to apply pressure on supply chains and business travel and physical industry events largely ruled out for the time being, the market is having to reassess how it facilitates trade of these vital raw materials. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Stefan Schmidinger, partner at Chemiex AG. Stefan, welcome. Hello, Garrett. It's a pleasure for me to be here with you today. Stefan, your, your company it provides a digital solution for trading of APIs. So I imagine that this new constrained and home-based work environment we find ourselves in is being quite good for business. Indeed, we have seen a significant pickup in new registrations for our service. And the same I'm hearing for, for other companies that I'm in contact with that are dealing with supply chain insights solutions. With the world moving increasingly towards a digital environment, do you think traders in the API market are now having to reassess their workflows and discover new ways of securing or selling products at a a market relevant and competitive price? It's a good question. And businesses and technologies ever since have been uh, evolving over time, right? Especially over the last one or two decades. And so did the market participants that are in business today, right? So already today, the buyers and sellers are quite familiar in using communication tools such as LinkedIn, WhatsApp, WeChat, video conferencing, or other digital helpers such as Google's or business directories, just to name a few, right? Mm -hmm. And they use it to agree on deals, to identify potential new business partners. Uh, They use it also to to look for information that help them close better deals. So what has been missing and what is a a well-known tool set for other industries is a specialized transactional marketplace that is compliant with B2B requirements and that combines the best of a procurement software and a marketplace to streamline such communication and also get access to market insights and analytics. So obviously pharmaceuticals, it's a highly regulated sector, as you know, and I'd imagine that anyone who's not yet completed any financial transactions for volumes of APIs in an online environment, they, they could be forgiven for having certain misgivings about doing so. What assurances would you give to anyone thinking about joining this uh, digital revolution in this way in terms of, well, complying with all those necessary regulatory requirements? So here it is essential to mention that the only GDP regulated software solution in the market that helps to conduct business online uh, with existing and new partners. Important also, most of the electronic means or digital e-commerce platforms 
they would help you to line up deals, something that is probably also comparable to bilateral communication through your chat or email or fax channel, right? So it doesn't still oblige the buyers and sellers to comply with GMP, so good manufacturing practice, good distribution practice, or any other regulatory requirements that are they are subject to in their country and for their products. I see. Now just look at the, the market, so to speak. Now the current pandemic, it's brought a lot of uncertainty to, well, global commodity markets in general. I mean, just for example, I mean, a couple of months ago, we saw US oil prices strain to negative pricing as, as demand dried up temporarily. In the pharmaceutical world, supply chains, they've been impacted at certain times by things such as border closures, logistics issues, export bans, political interventions, just to name a, a few factors. Stefan, what, what for you have been the, the key events over the last two or three months that have driven prices of, of some of the key APIs during this crisis? So I can confirm to you that other industrial commodities behave very differently in price than the APIs or also food and feed additives. And we have shown that scientifically uh, recently. So typically in a crisis, the supply and demand picture for industrial commodities change quite dramatically and typically prices drop for many of those. In our case, we have seen a lot of supply disruptions that have led to first panic buying, but then also more structural issues to source products and, of course, suppliers taking profit of such a situation and amending the prices north. So the most important events, I would say, is uh, it started with Lunar New Year. Actually, Chemex has been the first industry participant that conducted a survey what would be the potential impact. And we have done so shortly before Chinese New Year started, so very early on in the process. And our experts, they have actually forecasted that around 85% have foreseen supply chain impacts from that time. 30% of them were severe ones. However, they have also foreseen the impacts being most limited to the first and second quarter. And now six months in the, in the game, we see that it might have or it has been really true what they've said, although the pandemic turned out to be worse than expected. But we are now closing Q2, and many of the supply chains are functioning uh, very well again. So in terms of the timeline, what happened, it, it was a very critical point in time, Chinese New Year, because it's a time where producers and inland transport in China, the manufacturing workbench for the pharmaceutical industry globally, they leave business for two or three weeks, first for holidays, some even do maintenance then. And the news couldn't have come at a worse time because there was a lot of insecurity and no one could act because you couldn't reach many people in China. No one knew what the impact would really be. And then you've had the rollovers of those holidays, first for one week, then two weeks in some highly affected regions like Wuhan, even more. And yeah, it created a lot of panic buying because typically from mid-February, European and American buyers, they come to the market to cover themselves for the first two quarters of the year. And so there was a lot of insecurity. Later then, China opened very quickly and came back to market 
But then from mid-March, we have seen also lockdowns in Europe, which I would say were widely unexpected, uh, or a black swan event for many. India followed, which had actually a huge impact to, to the pharmaceutical supply chains because uh, many of the finished dosed forms or APIs or, or even finished products uh, come from India. There was a big problem as, as customs and ports were not functioning correctly. And at some point, even production was impacted, although pharmaceuticals and um, systemic relevant companies were excluded from the lockdown. In the same run, India put into place some export bans for some vital medications they would have needed for their own country. And only after political pressure from the US and other countries, they removed the export bans again. Obviously, it had a big impact on prices for many raw materials. Now, being May, June, we see the situation has calmed down a bit. We see more issues in India, although many orders are working quite well. There's still some problems with air cargo, so prices tenfold in some cases, and it was very difficult to get your APIs loaded in a plane because all the passenger flights and cargo flights were cancelled. And that happens now again in China because they see some renewed infections in, in Beijing and they tend to be very careful. So it's working quite well again. However, there are some local disruptions. And during the procedure, I have to say, I was very surprised China returned to markets very quickly to meet their obligations and deliver the APIs. So now it's very localized where we see the impacts. You mentioned, you know, those, those price swings, the price volatility of uh, certain APIs. Um, two sort of quite high-profile cases we, we've seen recently, um, hydroxychloroquine and more recently dexamethasone. Those two spring to mind as quite notable examples here of products where, you know, perhaps conflicting data emerges about how effective they can be in treating coronavirus, and that obviously can affect pricing. Yes, indeed. I guess hydroxychloroquine was one of the very high-profile products where we have seen a wild West bonanza going on <laughs> because when when President Trump endorsed this API to be helpful against coronavirus and even taking it himself, he created a lot of buzz in the market and we've seen prices rising from, depending on the qualities, what is typically traded between 100 and $200 a kilogram, now trading between 800 and $1,200. In some cases, we have even seen offers for 1600 and more. So there were even political interventions in India, etc. They brought existing manufacturers back to the market. And there was big price swings, also because the World Health Organization later stopped endorsing the medicine because there was a study that was saying it was not working very efficiently. And later there were scientists again saying the opposite. So it was swinging all the time. And, and now I think this week the FDA removed the exceptional license to use hydroxychloroquine against yeah. COVID-19. And so we see the markets relaxing a bit. We also have to say that there is a big difference between 
long-term contracts and spot forward trading. So the very big pharma clients uh, we also talked to, some of them have been delivered over the crisis with quite stable prices, maybe a bit higher, maybe between 200 and $350. But on the spot markets, the price swings were quite extreme. So, Stefan, given that a lot of what drives the uh, global API market is is actually the price of well the intermediates and the starting materials that go into APIs, these produced in well notoriously opaque upstream markets. So, given this, do you think there's a need for better information flow around market fundamentals so people can trade in a more secure manner? It is a very complex topic, and therefore I would say it's a yes and a no. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a yes, because we all see that regulators, politicians and industry professionals and companies are striving to find ways to get more transparency and be prepared for such market events or supply chain events. We also see regulators who have access to very confidential data on the production of APIs and some of their starting materials. Even they struggle to get a, a full overview on uh, who is producing what and where are, where are the risks. And so there is a lot of initiatives going on. There are also a lot of political initiatives that are talking about strategic stocks, to increase strategic stocks in Europe, in the US, and also to transfer a certain technology uh, back to countries to, at least for, for special situations, be prepared to also rely on yourself. I'm sure there is a big need for, for solutions, and I've seen many great solutions upcoming that use artificial intelligence, that use big data, that use network effects like KimiX to bring a solution to those problems. On the other hand, it has also to be mentioned that, of course, supply chains and business relationships are often a competitive advantage of companies, and you cannot make it fully transparent, right? So. Mm-hmm. Politicians and regulators have to find, and companies, innovative companies have to find a a nice way to deal with that situation. So finally, do you think that the coronavirus pandemic is going to create a sea change generally in the the pharma industry and that we're going to see a, a really firm embracing of digital technology now going forwards? I think every one of us have seen this, these pictures going around in social networks. One of it was mentioning, asking who has driven digitalization in your company? Was it the CEO or chief digital officer or was it COVID-19? <laughs> and COVID-19 clearly won that race. And I can only confirm from what we see in the market. And I'm personally of strong opinion that things will change and will change for the long term including the use of digital tools. So there is great tools outside. Companies have to actively uh, search for it, make use of the information that is already available today to make their business uh, stronger and less affected from potential crises. Stefan, thank you very much for shedding light on this subject. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you for listening to CPHI Podcast and please do head to globalpharmainsights.com for lots more news, features and analysis on the latest developments impacting the global pharmaceutical supply chain. Our next podcast in the series will be coming to you soon. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Mm-hmm.